0: Hi everybody, I'm Susanna Mars and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today I'm talking to Christine Clare, Winery Director at Willamette Valley Vineyards. Welcome, Christine.
1: Thanks for having me. It
0: is a pleasure. It's such a beautiful place to drive out to. I am it was a really a fun little jaunt, and then to come up into this gorgeous building with the fireplace and the, oh it's it's breathtaking
1: oh thank you it's something I can definitely attest to growing up at the base of the vineyard here is the views really don't get old
0: right and I think I read you were a soccer player Mm -hmm. and used to work out around here.
1: Yeah, I mean vineyards, you know, are planted on hillsides and what better areas for conditioning than running up and down the rows. Uh I mean definitely a love-hate relationship with the vineyard at that time, but Mm -hmm. um, now I really understand that, you know, those hillsides are what gives us that great exposure for the sun Mm -hmm. and is really beneficial.
0: Yeah, it was interesting too to think about your life being here in Salem mm-hmm. and the wine industry really blossoming probably just a little bit before you were born. Right. And so you've really grown up alongside the wine industry.
1: Yeah. I mean our Oregon in wine Oregon. Right. <laughs> our Oregon wine pioneers, you know, came up in the early nineteen sixties in Roseburg mm-hmm. and then, you know, in the late sixties up here in the Willamette Valley. So last year we celebrated fifty years of Oregon Pinot Noir here. Mm. I'm just over the age of 30, but I've really got to see that explosive growth mm-hmm. and that's you know really what makes me so passionate about it, is it really feels like you're part of something still in its infancy you still get to make a mark mm-hmm. and there's a lot of innovation and um, you know dedication going to really make this that world-class wine growing region
0: right and art the art of wine is a worldwide Mm -hmm. Uh, art and so you're just continually adding to your knowledge.
1: Yes absolutely. I mean here in Oregon we take a lot of um, you know lessons and learning from our counterparts in France Mm -hmm. um, particularly in Burgundy because we share that cool climate and their wine industry goes back you know centuries Mm -hmm. and they have those traditional beliefs here in what we call the new world um, you know, it's a little bit more, um, um, I would say, uh, there's more flexibility, mm. maybe more expression because you don't have those confines of, you know, house styles and, um, you know, really that tried and true expectation.
2: Mm. Here,
1: you know, really the goal is to make it really expressive of a site of what the vintage is like here in Oregon
2: mm-hmm.
1: and something that a lot of people don't talk about quite frequently is terroir which is really that sense of place is a winemaker part of that and it's something that i really believe in as you know someone's ability to manipulate or to even be um, very Mm hands-off is a is a part of what the wine community is
0: right so would you say a a more traditional winemaker would leave be more Mm hands-off because they're letting the ground make the art, make the music of the wine?
1: I think so. I think that there's a lot of people that really are seeking that purity. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I was first starting to make wine, a lot of the advice I would get from you know, the wise winemakers around here was, you know, sometimes the hardest thing to learn in winemaking is the patience to do nothing.
2: Mm. And
1: I've always really liked that is a lot of times, especially when you haven't had experience with a site or a lot of vintages, like I hadn't at the time. The thing is you get um, almost anxious about trying to almost trying too hard to make something maybe that isn't there. And it's completely acceptable in cooler vintages in Oregon or rainy vintages in Oregon or challenging vintages in Oregon to just kind of let the wines really speak for what that time was. You know, wines are very much a reflection of, you know, the growing season, what was taking place at that time. Hmm. And it's okay if they're not 100% perfect. They still have a lot of character.
0: That's so interesting. I never thought of it that way, but it's almost like looking at a photo album.
1: Right. Absolutely. I love that we now have a library here. We're actually, you know, here sitting in mm-hmm, it today. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, um, what I, the feeling when I walk in here is kind of like that collection of all of those experiences, mm-hmm. you know, right in, we just moved the 2010 and 11 vintages into this room. Mm-hmm. Those were considered the coldest and rainiest vintages in Oregon. Mm. Those were also the vintages that I was just starting out. So mm-hmm. to me, some of my most vivid memories and now I almost think of every vintage following as being easy
0: oh. because I had
1: such a challenging start oh my you know then you have vintages like 2015 that was the first year here at Willamette Valley Vineyards where I got to make the picking decisions mm. um, where our founder and my mentor really passed that down mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of things that rest on those decisions and you know, truth be told, I cried a couple times doing those decisions. Yes. Um, but you, you know, you learn from it. And now I just think like that was such a growing experience.
0: Oh, no question. I'm so glad you're so forthcoming about that because those are the things, you know, if you're going to look at your photo album, there, there, there's such layers of learning and beauty and sadness and melancholy, all the things, mm-hmm. all the feels. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. That's
0: fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you are the winery director mm-hmm. and what, what is that? What yeah. does that encompass? It sounds like you make big decisions about, uh, the fruit itself and about the wine making. What else?
1: Right. Yeah, it's a very hands-on position with a lot of different departments here at the winery. Mm. So, I oversee winemaking, but I'm supported by a great team with our head winemaker, Joe, that you're going to get to speak with. Mm -hmm. Also, our assistant winemaker, Gabby, um, our production manager. So, a lot of people that make, you know, that are really the ones that are part of crafting and making the wines. But I get to support them um, with our production planning, with our stylistic goals, then I also oversee our vineyards, mm-hmm. um, where we have an amazing the physical.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So we farm over five hundred acres across yeah. the Willamette Valley. It's something that we take a lot of pride in: is farming our own grapes. Mm-hmm. So we're considered a state-grown. Right. That's for, so
0: interesting and unique.
1: Right for our Pinot Noir programs, it is definitely um, something that um, is one of the you know, our real goals is to control the quality. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And so more than just overseeing the vineyard plans, it's also where we purchase land to plant future vineyards. Mm -hmm. Because you're making decisions that will carry on well beyond my lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you don't even know the quality of a site for 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when you're... When you're looking at these, you're looking ahead to see, well, what's Oregon going to be like then? Mm -hmm. Doing, you know, where are the microclimates that we really want to be in? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also get to oversee our direct sales. Um, So that's our tasting rooms, our wine clubs, our winery ambassador tour programs. Wow, that's a lot. Yes, I love that part Mm -hmm. of the business because that's really where it comes alive for our guests. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also our marketing, which is, you know, our goal is to tell our story through wine, Mm -hmm. that Oregon story that Mm. we really um, are drawn to. Mm,
0: That's so wonderful. Well, speaking of the story, uh, there's going to be a giveaway of one of the suites here, which is a beautiful place to stay, and Artslandia is going to have a contest and I can tell you right now, you are going to want to enter the contest. It is a magnificent spot. And tell us a little b- a bit about what that will entail. Yeah,
1: it's a true getaway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really unique here that we have winery suites that directly overlook the vineyard. And that's a really special and beautiful thing to wake up right, mm. and, um, you know, overlooking the vineyard. It's really um, it's really breathtaking. In addition to that, we have a... Um, a restaurant here. So we do beautiful food and wine pairings. It
0: looks delicious. Yeah. So there's really no reason
1: to leave. You know, we (laughs) have wine, food, great accommodations.
0: And then you also get a private tour Mm -hmm. of the winery, an hour and a half. And it just sounds like a lovely, lovely way to spend some time with someone who you want to talk to for a bit.
1: Yeah, that's a really, um, it's a really great in-depth experience where it's led by a winery ambassador they are very very knowledgeable in what they do mm-hmm. and you really get to go behind the scenes like you said and really understand how wine is made mm-hmm. um the aging process all the handwork that goes into just one bottle of wine you mm. get to see for yourself even if you come during harvest maybe we'll put you to work <laughs> <laughs> or bottling mm-hmm. so there's um you know there's a lot of great um, components to the tour hmm.
0: So how did you get started in the wine business? I knew you grew up around here, but what actually lured you into it?
1: Yeah, I think growing up, you know, it definitely wasn't um, a a decision early on as you're not a wine drinker early on in your life, Mm -hmm. but it must have seeped into my subconscious because when I went to Oregon State and was really learning about, you know, our Oregon emerging businesses and industries, and I've always really been drawn to agriculture. My family um, comes, we're long family history of farming. Mm. That, um, you know, I came up to the winery and asked for an internship. Mm. I was, you know, one of those bright-eyed, just wanted to get in and learn everything I could. And so at that time, our founder, Jim Bruneau, hired me and I got to come and start... Working in marketing—that's
0: mm, so generous, too, that that was afforded you. That's wonderful,
1: right? Yes, and really flexible because I was still a student, but working up here about mm-hmm. three days a week, mm-hmm. and that just really opened my eyes to the world of wine and mm-hmm. to, to Oregon's special, special place in um, in that world. And it was, you know, I think that as Oregonians, we take so much pride in what our natural resources are here, mm-hmm. and I, you know, really feel that way. And so they made me want to dive deeper and I went and um, went back and took a lot of classes in enology and viticulture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I also did a lot of wine certifications to really get that formal knowledge. It's really helpful to build your confidence and understanding and then did a lot of on the job work experience. So I left the nest here for a little bit of time after college for about three years mm-hmm. and went down and started my own um, wine brand in Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. And when you are doing it yourself, learning it yourself, you know, those rough and tumbles really um, make you a quick learner. Oh, I bet. Um, but I've been back uh, just over five and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And it's, in a, you know, a wonderful place to call home and mm. plan to be here the rest of my um, time I can and mm. I'm just anxious to see what we create
2: hmm.
0: what types of wines are you drawn to at, from the tasting perspective and then from the story perspective mm-hmm. I just think that's so interesting because I'm sure there's some that you're drawn to from a, a taste right uh, you know but then also as you said the climate the seasons what seasons is there one in particular as you said the first one was so rainy how mm-hmm. does that reflect it in the wine mm-hmm that's about five questions all I rolled know, up in one. I know, I was just one. To say where
1: to tackle that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, overall, I'm most interested in making wines that really are reflective of their site and their mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. and there are some varietals that are just more prone to do that than others. Pinot Noir is one of them. Mm-hmm. Chardonnay and Riesling are others. Um, but probably Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, I just love that um, the grapes are they're almost just they're just so much more sensitive mm. than other grapes, and so they really do take you know the year um, into play, and you really have to have a gentle touch in the cellar with them as mm-hmm when you try to overwork them, you can tell they're overworked.
0: So now overworked, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, maybe putting too much oak influence in the wine. Mm-hmm. You doing picking too the much...
0: proper container and mm-hmm. all that. Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, even extracting and asking more of the grape skin can lead to a really harsh um, palate profile. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the decisions are really to just let it kind of be standalone and you're that support system but you're not there to make it anything more than what it is
0: oh my goodness that sounds so fascinating i mean Mm -hmm. there's it's a very deep
1: process it is yeah so i would say that those are some of my most rewarding to be a part of making Mm -hmm. um, because when you get it right you really get it right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then there's times that are learning of, you know, oh, maybe maybe that didn't work out so well. But mm-hmm. then you always get another vintage, which is really nice. Just like a beautiful yeah. microcosm of life. Mm-hmm. So I
0: know, of course, Willamette Valley Vineyards is your favorite. But wow. if you were taking into account, you know, a worldwide Chardonnay, for instance, right. do you have some other favorites that you mm-hmm. appreciate the winemaker and unique Yes. Aspects of their winemaking.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I would say that I'm inspired by a lot of different regions. Mm-hmm. One right now that's really on our radar and part of it is because we really consider them great peers in the mm-hmm. industry is the community up in Walla Walla.
0: Oh neat.
1: Yeah, they are just doing amazing things. They have a really rugged climate. Mm. They, you know, really are artisans at how they make wine. hmm Um, It's inspired us enough to where we've actually gone and purchased property up there Mm. and have planted vineyards for some new winery projects we're working on up there.
0: So when you say rugged, I would imagine it's pretty difficult to make a plant or enable a plant to flourish.
1: Yeah, you would drive up there like I did Mm -hmm. back in 2015 and, and look around and think, things grow here oh. it is arid mm. and you know high ele- higher elevation mm-hmm. um fractured basalt it really doesn't look like there's even soil in some places mm. and then you find that those are where some of the best wines are made and grown so but- explain
0: that because i i remember reading something about this but i don't have very much knowledge mm-hmm. but it's about how hard the plant has to work yep. to to flourish and to create a fruit
1: yep Yeah. So one thing about wine grapes is I try to, in all my analogies tend to relate to how people are. Mm -hmm. So a vine that is working and struggling so hard, trying to survive, you get to that level of survival and you know, what did you gain along the way? A lot of character, Mm -hmm. a lot of resilience Mm -hmm. and that's all shown. So grapes that are in, you know, fertile soils where things come easy to them are usually not your most complex. And a lot of times that's just like, sounds like the, sounds
0: like the bachelor.
1: (laughs) Our founder loves watching the bachelor and telling me all sorts of psychology lessons from that. Yes. I shouldn't have shared that. No,
0: I love that. That's fantastic.
1: I think you learn people's true colors on those reality shows. Right. It just
0: you see people who have had to uh, go through things, and I think you're right. It brings Mm -hmm. lots of character. That's a great analogy. I love it. Mm -hmm. I could talk to you all day. I can tell. You're so knowledgeable. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And so wine, we we were saying earlier, is the great connector.
1: It is. And if
0: you... Every time you go to taste wine, you end up talking to the people in the tasting room and the people who are in the room with you, the people who are pouring the wine. But rarely would I ask, you know, this vintage, what was the weather like? How, you know, that's that's really fun to think about.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really bottled stories. Yeah. And so you're right. And it, wine does have this magical way of bringing people together mm-hmm. and... All of our celebrations, it seems like, in America are centered around these meals mm-hmm. and time together, and mm. it's special to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, I imagine. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure. Yeah. It's great, and I'm really excited to host the people that also um, win our Winery Sweets Day.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm going to be completely envious. And I know Joe's going to come in in a few minutes, and we'll talk to him a little bit about wine stories.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Thanks, Christine. Thank you. Christine just left, and Joe Ibrahim is now here sitting In front of me with a beautiful smile.
3: Yeah, I mean, welcome, everybody, by the way, and thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we're, uh, you know, it's harvest and we're in this vineyard every day. Right. Watching the fruit ripen and see what this vintage has to offer.
0: It is that, speaking of that, you know, Christine really enlightened me about what a vintage is and how the weather and its story, I'm just fascinated by it. So what do you feel this vintage is going to be about?
3: Well, I think it's going to be another outstanding vintage, Mm -hmm. so we've been really blessed with um, some really excellent vintages, Mm -hmm. but I'm a winemaker, so I love the variability from vintage to vintage, no matter what. That's Mm. part of what makes this craft fun and challenging, Mm -hmm. Um, but we've had uh, record days above 90 degrees this year, Mm -hmm. uh, which surpassed some of the warmest vintages we've ever had, Mm. so that should be interesting, Right. but now we're kind of in this cool spell, so... One of the things that people don't realize is that winemakers become weathermen this time of year. Uh And uh, every morning and every night, I'm looking at the weather to see what's it doing.
0: Wow. Do you keep a journal so you can reflect on those temperatures?
3: A lot of people do. I uh, have thought about it, but I've never actually taken the steps to do it. I try to keep it in my head. Yeah. I try to taste the wines and remember
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. So now Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are cool climate wines I've read. I'm not knowledgeable at all, just so you know. So what's, what, did it, what is it about the way the grapes grow here that make the flavors of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay unique to our climate?
3: Well, what's interesting is that and what drew people to Oregon in the first place as a premier wine-growing region is mm. that every day I live north of the winery and I drive across the 45th parallel there's a sign on Mm -hmm. the interstate that says 45th parallel Mm -hmm. uh, halfway between the north pole and the equator and so that line runs right through Burgundy France as well and so it was part of that that feature that made people think hey maybe Oregon's Willamette Valley uh, could be a great growing region for Pinot Noir and Chardonnay Mm. that and the types of soils that we have were similar we have iron rich soils if you look out the window here they're kind of rusty orange, and that's because... They're
0: beautiful, just in case you wondered.
3: That's because they're, uh, there's actually iron in them. It's It has rusted, mm. and uh, those, those two characteristics, being around the 45th parallel iron-rich soils, tend to do very well for Pinot and Chardonnay.
0: Hmm. Well, I just have to tell you, you can't see this, everybody, but there are five bottles of wine in front of us, and I can't think of questions when they're like that, facing me, you know, so beautifully. So Joe's now picking up the wine opener. (laughs) couldn't think of the opener word. Corkscrew. Thank you. And while you're opening wine, I can ask you, in your opinion, what's the difference between a minimalist approach and a traditional approach to winemaking?
3: I guess you can say those two can go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this belief that, you know, you want to be as hands-off as possible in the winemaking process. Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's kind of a a catch-22 because, it's very hands-on, and uh, there isn't a lot of manipulation from a grape to a wine. Right. But within that, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of philosophies. Some people think, well, I'm not going to add any commercial yeast because there is yeast naturally on the grape skins.
0: Okay. That's interesting because when I was reading and thinking about, oh, what questions should I ask, I read a little bit about native yeast and... <laughs> mm-hmm see I'm sorry you guys I'm so sorry that you're not here but you could be here if you enter that contest
3: I'm pouring your estate Pinot Noir
0: oh that's that sounds nice
3: this is from a 2016
0: <laughs> vintage. this is the best podcast I've ever done <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's so aromatic
3: it really is and that's they call it the bottled bouquet when it's oh. been trapped in the bottle and then you pull that cork and then that it meets oxygen in your glass. Let
1: me
0: out.
3: And all those aromatics come out. Oh my gosh.
0: That is incredible. Mmm, <sighs> it made my knees tingle.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh Okay, I'm going to watch you because I don't really know how to... I mean, I know how to drink wine, but I don't know how to, you know. We're
3: using uh, Oregon Pinot Noir glasses, which are kind of bulbous at the bottom, and they kind of taper up to a tulip shape at the Mm, top. So pretty. And that was designed to really capture the types of aromatics that come from Pinot Noir. Mm. But they're great swirling glasses. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I swirl it first and Mm -hmm. let all those uh, aromatic esters meet with the oxygen molecules that we just released it to. And let them come up into your nose so that the drinker can enjoy it.
0: Oh my gosh.
3: And we get spice and cherry and cherry spice and chocolate and Mm. earth.
0: It kind of brings a tear to my eye. I don't mean to be weird, but the love I can see in your voice or hear and how you talk about it. Yeah. And then just talking now to Christine about stories and history... There's something about it that's really rich and deep.
3: Yeah. I mean, the amount of time and effort it goes into produce one bottle of wine or mm-hmm. to grow one cluster mm-hmm. of grapes, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, you have to love it in order to do it. And everybody here, everybody who works here has that passion. And that's what I love about working here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it percolates all the way through through the company. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has a tremendous amount of pride, of what we do and love for the wines themselves.
0: Mm. It's beautiful.
3: Yeah. So this is our estate blend, and this one is fun because um, it is it is the kind of the story of us. Mm-hmm. It's the story of our three vineyards, which is our estate vineyard in Turner, Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, which was planted by Jim Bruno, our founder. Mm-hmm. It's the story of Dick and Betty O'Brien, who were some of the founding pioneers of the Oregon wine industry. Uh, Their Elton Vineyard, which is in the yola Emity Hills, and the Twalton Estate Vineyard, which is planted in Forest Grove by a man named Bill Fuller. Mm. Who's now 82? Uh, he uh, reminded me yesterday, mm. and still making wine with us today. Mm. Um, so three iconic vineyards come together into this one bottle.
0: I never thought it would a fun birthday present to give someone a bottle of wine the year they were born. Oh from yeah, the, you know.
3: Yeah, a lot of people will get a bottle of wine the vintage of the child's birth, mm. and then when they turn 18 or 21, they uh, get that bottle.
2: Oh,
0: that's a fun idea. Yeah.
3: Huh. Should we try another one?
0: Yeah, why not? I didn't try this one yet. Oh, yeah. Should it. I try it now?
3: For it. I'm always um, a little oh. weary about the slurping and spitting sounds. So that's oh. <laughs>
0: it's delicious. Mm. Oh, that's incredible. Mm. And Mandy told me that the O'Briens were both teachers. They were. I think that's so lovely. All right, I'll put that one aside sadly because there's another one coming.
3: Yeah, so that's the blend of the three vineyards, and now we're going to taste uh, the Elton vineyard, which is one of the individuals.
0: Mm. And that they're all from the Elton vineyard, all the grapes
3: in this bottle. In that, we're that, we're that bottle, about to try,
0: yeah. right? Got you. Okay, sorry guys, you have to keep hearing that sound. Oh, it's another beautiful color. Oh. It's fun to compare them, too. Wow, they're really different.
3: Huh. Different vintage years. So the estate was 2016, and this is 2015. Ah. Both were really warm vintages. Is that right? But the yields were lower in 16, which meant that the wines were more concentrated. There's mm. less grapes on the vine, mm. which is another big factor that we face year to year, mm-hmm. is how much the vines will actually produce.
0: Wow. Take a deep breath so I can really get the full experience here.
3: What's neat about this one is that the vineyard was planted in the 70s, and so some of the vines are extremely old. We call them heritage vines. Oh. And there's a lot of holes in the vineyard where vines have died and we haven't replaced them, and it mm. has this kind of, uh, I don't know, heritage feel to it when you're oh. walking through the vineyard. They're still producing, and they're mm. still producing lovely wines. So mm. we just leave it and let it do its thing.
0: That's so interesting. I never thought about it. You can't replace them because they're not the same vine. They're mm-hmm. they're different.
3: What's interesting is that if you plant a new vineyard today, mm-hmm. it takes three years for you to get fruit. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you tasted that fruit, that first vintage, mm-hmm. it's almost like I don't know. It's kind of got this juvenile energy to I did hasn't really come into its own yet it's Mm. big it's bold it has a lot of color the fruit profile is kind of single dimensional kind Mm. of red fruit nondescript but then as it ages as the roots go deeper as it comes into its own fights for water and it gets its own personality right
0: oh that's so fascinating so
3: these old vines would be an absolute shame to pull out of the ground oh
0: gosh yeah oh that's that's amazing
3: yeah
0: oh i love that oh this is this is delicious. <laughs> what would you pair this with?
3: food wise? It's funny. I was just at a restaurant in Portland this weekend, mm-hmm. and it was very cumin, spice, mm. hummus, um, had some fennel in it, and uh, had fresh fruit, and it had some meat as well, and it really accentuated the... Um, how Pinot can really pair with just about anything, mm. but it, it Pinot pairs perfectly with a spice. Mm-hmm. Pairs perfectly with um, meat dishes, so mm-hmm. it can go dark meat, light meat. It can go great with salmon, which is great in the Pacific Northwest. Um, it can go great with fruits and desserts, even. Um, so it's a very versatile wine,
0: and it's it's such a an Oregon specific. Which I love. Yeah. That's, that's great. Amazing. So here's a crazy question. If you could live in any era to make wine, which era would you choose?
3: I have a hard time just saying that I'd want to live any other time than right now. Because mm. mm-hmm. I'm living it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love hearing the stories of the old days of when Jim and the O'Briens and mm. Bill Fuller were figuring it out Mm -hmm. I mean there was nobody before them to figure it out for them and they were all just working together and learning from each other
0: real pioneers
3: exactly Mm -hmm. and uh, you know the climate was different then the wine market was different then Mm -hmm. everything was different Mm -hmm. a lot of things just didn't exist so I'd love to think about those stories but I love where we are today.
0: Oh, I bet. And I bet you can taste the wines from those days. Right. Oh my goodness, that would be amazing.
3: Yeah, Bill brought a 1973 Petite Syrah from Washington yesterday, mm. and we tasted it, and it was amazing. The oh. color was still great, the oh. tannins were super silky and smooth, and mm. it was really fun.
0: Oh, I bet. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So, is there an, an event or a person or an object that's inspired you as an artist? Because obviously, you're you're an artist in your winemaking. Is there someone or something that's inspired you?
3: Um, you know, I've always been inspired by the natural world, mm. and even as a child, I was had this fascination and wonder of plants and the natural world around me. Um, I grew up in the Lower Hudson Valley of New York State. Oh, no kidding! Which is full of agriculture Mm -hmm. and uh my friends and I used to play in apple orchards and
0: And another big winemaking area now right yeah
3: exactly yeah and so I started with a curiosity of fermentation and growing plants and that to this day still Mm -hmm. you know I'm still enamored by it and it still excites me Mm. um to be able to grow something produce it change it and then be able to consume it Mm -hmm. is something that's very unique to the wine industry Mm -hmm. but then to also have it affect you I mean the alcohol itself Mm -hmm. um, it's a really neat and it's a unique craft And so the whole experience from growing it to the season itself to the hard work it takes to make it and then to give it to somebody to enjoy Mm. is just something I just love it
0: I would imagine entirely you probably sneak through the tasting room all the time. No one knows who you are. That's and you're <laughs> creating these opportunities for people to connect.
3: It's really true. And I, I do sneak around the, the tasting room. And I will sit at the tasting bar or outside uh-huh. and have a glass of wine. And if I feel like it, I'll talk to people. Most of the times, I'm, I'm very nice and go around everybody. But I, I like to listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I like to watch them enjoy the wines, mm-hmm. um, mostly.
0: That's nice. I would imagine... Uh, it must be very joyful just to feel the general spirit of the room which I would imagine is awfully nice
3: yeah you know sometimes people get wound up about the work itself what we're doing here because mm-hmm. they're passionate about it but at the end of the day all we're doing is giving a really enjoyable expi- experience right with the wine itself the views the scenery mm-hmm. the hospitality mm-hmm. and the food and pairing the wines with the food that's really all it is at the end of the day mm-hmm. and so try to bring them back down to earth.
0: Two things come to mind. First of all, uh, there's going to be a fantastic contest so that Artslandia listeners and readers can come here and spend a night in one of the beautiful suites. So that, after talking to both you and Christine, I mean, not only are you obviously experts in your field, but the the kindness and generosity is just so lovely. Mm -hmm. I, I would just encourage everyone to get in on that contest it Both. sounds heavenly
3: i proposed to my wife here oh and christine got engaged here as well
0: oh well so. so if you are thinking along those lines you might want to come up here it's pretty gorgeous
3: it really is a very romantic place
0: and then here's a weird science question but obviously you're very experienced in these types of questions so the tongue when you're drinking wine You know, I've heard, you know, put the wine over here. This is the bitter place. This is the sweet. Do you have tongue knowledge you can impart? I don't know
3: that I have specific tongue knowledge, but I do know that I am constantly thinking about how the wine reacts to my tongue. Mm -hmm. And we talk about things like uh, it's a little short on the entry or the mid palate is hollow or (laughs) I like the finish. And those are all talking about how the wine reacts to... You know, touching your tongue.
0: Uh huh, interesting. There was a wine tasting that I went to in which we would drink the same wine with various foods lemon, olive oil, and how it responds to acidic or uh, less so and sweet sugar. And that's fascinating.
3: It really is. Tasting is a science on its own. And mm. I, you know, I give a lot of talks and dinners, and a lot of people that come haven't developed that part of their brain yet or mm-hmm. they're scared or they feel funny talking about it or, you know,
0: it's the emperor's new clothes. I think for me, at least when, you know, they say, well, don't you taste the zippy zappy? I'm like, oh, I don't think so. Yes, I do. You know, yeah.
3: you're here. you just kind of these wines and say that there's cherry and spice and strawberry. It's a ripe strawberry. It's a ripe strawberry from the garden. huh. Um, and people look at me weird and they, Regardless, somebody will raise their hand and say, are you actually adding these things to the wine? Ah, oh, interesting. And I say, no, the aromatics are there and hmm. I'm associating them in my brain to things that we know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and it's just like, you know, you go to the gym every day and you work out your biceps, your mm-hmm. biceps are going to get big. Right. So if you work that part of your brain where you're talking about what you're tasting and connecting those two together, it will get better. So
0: keep drinking wine.
3: Keep drinking wine. Talking about wine. Talk about it with your friends. Mm-hmm. There's a great um you can go on Google or whatever and get a um a pallet wheel, which mm-hmm. is a colorful circle with lots of wedges and mm. it tells you essentially, you know, these are the red fruit flavors, these are the white fruit flavors, these are kind of the earthy flavors, the mm-hmm. darker fruit flavors, and you can start associating those things too the wine that you're drinking, which is a great tool.
0: Right, and kind of start thinking about what those things are, pro, or teaching yourself. Exactly. You know, that's great.
3: The day that it really clicked for me, I remember very clearly, mm-hmm. I was a much younger, junior winemaker, mm-hmm. and I had been sitting at the table with more experienced winemakers up until this point in my career, listening to them talking about wines that we were tasting together, mm. and the day that it clicked for me, I swear to you, it was like I walked into... A new dimension Mm. and I encourage everybody to try to get there too because it opens up an entire world of sensory enjoyment that you never knew existed.
0: It's really fascinating because in this world the bodies that we are in you know what is there in this world? There's being with other human beings, there's relationships and then there's experiences that are within you. I mean it's almost like going on a space mission inside your own body yeah and that's kind of cool
3: it really is it's fascinating
0: Hmm. so would you have any uh advice for young winemakers
3: um i would say focus on your palate because that at the end of the day that's really what guides you in making these wines Mm -hmm. um you know it's amazing how many people are winemakers that may not have developed that as full as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really your most, uh, that has to be your most refined tool is mm-hmm. your tasting, the ability to taste mm-hmm. um, and understand those wines.
0: Right. And what I think I learned from Christine as well, similar to what you're saying or same really is just allowing things to happen,
3: mm-hmm.
0: not rushing things. Yeah. They're just all the greatest. That's the greatest advice for life.
3: Right. I had to do three internships before anybody would even consider me for a real job. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it takes time.
0: Right. I remember that old, no wine before it's time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your knowledge and your art with me. And I'm really looking forward to seeing who wins the suite and gets to come and stay here. What What an incredible opportunity to enjoy something so unique.
3: Yeah. Please come visit us. Hospital is what we do best. We'd love to have you come try the wines. We put our heart and soul into it. It's
0: it's apparent in the wine itself and in your personage and your kind uh, generosity. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.